0: So uh, in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read verse 4. Genesis 12 verse 4. So Abraham went, Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son. And all their possessions they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram Abraham passed through the land of, to the place at Sechem, To the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said... To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on and still going toward the Negev. Now The Negev, of course, is the southern desert which uh, is between the land of promise and Egypt. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princess of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What what is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where he had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first and there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. This then is the reading today from the Holy Word of God. And may God grant to us an understanding of uh, this word and help us to apply it to our lives. So from Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 through to chapter 13, verse 4, I bring to you the, the Word of God today, the value of, of waiting upon God. The value of waiting upon God. We are human beings and as such we cannot always wait. Patience is not something that all of us know. And sometimes we find ourselves in the place of the fellow who says, he prayed to the Lord and he said, Lord, I need patience, but I need it now. It is good to wait upon the Lord. One of the doctrines of the Bible many Christians find difficulty in understanding is the doctrine of God's sovereignty. When we say God is sovereign, we acknowledge that what the apostle wrote in Romans chapter 11 verse 33 and what follows is so true. And it goes like this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him for through him for uh, from him and through him and to him are all things God ordained everything and he does not ask of us to help him to maintain what he has As created. And knowing that also means that God has a plan with everything. And he's got his timing with everything. And he's got a purpose with everything. Everything that he started then will one day be called to an end. When it's it's reached its purpose. And in between nothing will go wrong according to the plan of God. Nothing will take God by surprise. One of the finest theologians of the Reformed faith, Dr. Lorraine Butner, said, The basic principle of Calvinism is the sovereignty of God. This represents the purpose of the triune God as absolute and unconditional, independent of uh, uh, the whole finite creation and originating solely in the eternal counsel of his will He appoints the source of nature. He directs the course of history down to the minutest details. He decrees, therefore, his decrees are eternal, unchangeable, holy, wise, and sovereign. The concept of God's sovereignty is beautifully expressed in some verses in Daniel where Daniel was in conversation with the king Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel urged the godless king to bear under the sovereignty of God. The king would not do it until God dealt with him according to his plan and his purposes. Nebuchadnezzar was disposed from his position as king according to the word of God through Daniel. We read about that in chapter 4. Daniel looked at the king and he said, "You will be driven away from the people who live with and live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and uh, be drenched with dew from heaven. 7 times, that is 7 years, will pass for you until what? You acknowledge the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them any give them to anyone he wishes." Now, yeah, well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't really believe this, so he, he just went on in his ways. And we read then, he was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. So, he, he really lost his mind. I mean, he, he looked like there was something wrong. He lived with wild donkeys and ate like grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until, what, until he acknowledged the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. Daniel chapter 5, That was the That was the thing that changed Nebuchadnezzar's mind. God is sovereign. So for the child of God to understand this and to really believe in the sovereign God who decrees everything is to take then the next step. What is this? To believe that God sovereignly provides in his own way, in his own timing, according to his own purpose, and of course, ultimately, to his own glory. And sometimes we can quite readily acknowledge that God can do what he promises, but we doubt his timing. True? We doubt his timing sometimes. And the, the when and the and, and, and the what of the timing, if that doesn't happen according to our scheme, we want to squeeze it into our understanding of time frames. Not and then not only do we begin to doubt that God will do as he promised, but we at the same time sometimes start doubting God. What happens then as we step in, we try to take over from God. We try to do what we think that God should have done and when he should have acted. We take the fact that he does not immediately answer yes or even no to our prayers, we take that into our own hands and we don't wait upon God, our faith falters and we start to take things in our own hands. This usually happens when we become the center of our own universe with God only existing to make life easier for us. Am I right? Sometimes we think that God is there for us. And when we pray, he has to do it. And if he, if he doesn't do what we ask, well, when we ask for it, we start doing it ourselves, or we turn away and try to do something else. The life of Abraham teaches us the folly of this view Because when this happens, we find ourselves in a position where we actually exhibit our unbelief in the sovereign and faithful God. This state makes our unfaithfulness show very clearly. Faith, you see, calls for obedience. And obedience calls for perseverance and trust. And these qualities were seen in the life of Abraham. And sometimes when they were not seen, I believe... God included those episodes to teach his church and us, his children, because we are children of Abraham, that we need to wait upon God. Now, when Abraham and his family arrived in in the promised land, they arrived, the Bible points it very clearly, they passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh. So what is, what is, why would God include that in the Bible? Why, why is that important? Well, it is important because uh, it seems like history tells us that this was the place, the center of the religious activity of the time. And then the Bible also tells, uh, tells us this. When they came to the land of Canaan, they went to that place, And then at that time, Canaanites were in the land. What does that mean? It means that Abraham arrived in the promised land in the midst of godlessness. It was there where people worshipped all sorts of gods. And in all sorts of ways that that would just show the the sinfulness of this world. The Canaanites were people who, who sacrificed their children when it came to it. They were experts in in what you might call uh, people who, who worship God through sexual orgies. And there Abraham walked into this land. And he did a marvelous thing. It is almost like Like Paul, who went into the Areopagus and he he saw a a temple for this and a temple for that and an altar for that and an altar for that, all sorts of gods, and then he saw this temple and this altar and it says to an unknown God. And it is almost, and then he started telling them about God who created the world in Jesus Christ and who would then uh, condemn the world and save the world in Christ Jesus. Abraham did the same. He walked into this country by the, by the call of God and by the direction of God. And he did the impossible thing. At that place where all sorts of gods were worshipped in the, the most explicit ways of sin. He built an altar. And it's as if he claimed the land for God. He went right to where the problem of all the things light, and he he claimed it for God. And then we, we, we see how he then passed through the land and um, how God then gave to him this promise to this land I will give, this land I will give to your to your descendants. Now, at that stage, quite honestly, if Abraham would say, well, in all respect, Lord, I don't have children. And and it doesn't seem quite likely that I would have children. And the Lord actually told him, you will have it. You will have an offspring. And, And this is marvelous for us to understand when we look at Abraham, our father in the faith, how he trusted God to even in the most evil of circumstances to plant a church. You and I live in an evil world, and we, we sometimes think, think that we are, we are losing it, the battle. And we think that we will not get there. Well, if you would ask Abraham, did you really believe, Abraham, at that stage, that you will have, first of all, a descendants? Would you also believe that God will give you this land? Do you also believe, as the Lord said in the previous verses, I will bless those who will bless you and I will curse those who curse you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed in you? All the families of the earth will be blessed An insignificant person called out of the nowhere. A wife was barren. A man with no possibilities. And yet he trusted God. But he had to learn what it means. To wait upon God. He had all these promises. And yet he couldn't always see how God will, will answer his promises. He moved about. He went to Bethel and then he moved down to Ai which is east of that. Down almost in the Jordan Valley. He saw the whole thing. And then verse 9, I think, is in more than one way a key to understand what's happening. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. He journeyed on. What does that mean? That's a very interesting word. That word is used when someone who travels with tents, every now and then pull the pegs of the tent, And shift to once again pitch the tent and then a time later pull the pegs and shift again. Now what happened here? Abraham did that. Gradually, step by step, not in a hurry. But he moved in some way away from where he, first of all, worshipped God. Do you get the drift of this thing? He didn't do it quickly. It just happened gradually. And then there was Egypt. And Egypt, with the constant flow of the Nile always had the promise of food, almost had the promise of something better. And here Abraham found himself in a desert. And he's not there where God wanted him to be in the first instance. And he looked at Egypt and first of all, we have to see in verse 10, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there. And once again, it's, it's a specific word used in the word of God. The word used there is not to live there per- permanently. That was not in his mind. Just to live as a, as a foreigner there. But the fact of the matter is, behind him was the land of promise. Ahead of him looked what was good. The land God promised him looked like that was the end for him. There was a famine. And very soon, Abram forgot the promise of God. Someone asked me not so long ago, why is it that Abraham would do a thing like he did then? He went into Egypt and he said to Sarah, his wife, he said this, he said, if you pretend to be my sister, which was after all not a, a lie because they had the same father, not the same mother. It was not a lie, but it was not the full truth either. You know, sometimes we can get away with this, isn't it? Especially, especially when things just don't work out for us if we have to wait. And someone in the commentary of the book of Genesis, he writes, we find ourselves sometime between faith and the argument of common sense. And unfortunately, he writes, common sense wins the day and not faith. You see, Abraham thought about all the things and he said, well, if I remained in the promised land with the, with the uh, famine, I might die. He went into Egypt and once again, common sense If I can pretend that Sarai is my sister, what's his argument? What's his argument? The Pharaoh will spare my life because of you. Do you, get, do you get where Abraham is going now? Abraham had now completely forgotten about God, it seems, and the promises of God, and he thinks his life is in the hands of the Pharaoh. Common sense says, take your wife, take your, the people with you, because if you don't do that, they might die in the desert. Faith says, what? Trust God! There is value in waiting upon God. Elijah sat with nothing. Nothing to eat because of the drought, too. What did he do? He followed the Lord's command and he sat by the brook, and God sent him to eat what was necessary by the ravens. And then, of course, he went, we've we've gone through that part of the history, he went up to the north, to Sidon, and he lived with a widow who met him with the first words that she ever said to him is, I'm just gathering a few bits and pieces to make a fire to prepare the last meal I that I have. But by faith, Elijah looked upon God and he said to her, well, before you do anything for you and your family, prepare something for me, but be sure the jar will never run dry. We are sometimes a bit quick to, to judge Abraham, isn't it? We think, Abraham, you are one of these people that is, you're a friend of God. You know God. Abraham was a human being like us. And you know what? There was a time that Abraham just faulted he took things in his own hand and maybe common sense common sense overruled faith and trust egypt in the bible has a very significant symbolic value it was the place of Slavery. It was the place of darkness. And Abraham, the man of God, the friend of God, by systematically, slowly shifting away from the presence of God eventually found himself in this place. And almost very much humiliated, he was chased out of Egypt. Take your wife and go. And it says there in verse 20, and Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. You get the impression that that Pharaoh actually provided men to say, Well, you see that he leaves this country. You accompany him until you get to the border. See that he's out of this place. Must have been a very humiliating thing for Abraham to do. My plan did not work. And yet, it is written in the Bible. Why did Abraham do a thing like that? I can't really say why he did that, but it it, it seems to me that verse 9 is perhaps the key. Gradually, gradually slipping away just to tell us this before we judge Abraham let's look at our own lives sometimes we do the same we can slip away and the promises of God can become vague and Common sense, as we might call it common sense, can sometimes prevail and faith goes out the back door. Not only does this apply to us as a church, but it applies to us as Christians individually. Wait. Wait upon God. Even if it means that circumstances might look very bleak and indeed might look like it has become our adversary. So, where do we stand as Christians today? Where do I stand? Where do you stand? Maybe we find ourselves in the, in, in, in the desert places of our spiritual life. And if that happens, and you look on the other side to the green pastures of this world, of the Egypt of our time, let's be sure that will look far more attractive than standing on the promises of God. Am I right? Have you experienced that in your life? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Don't 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 pretend it's never happened to you. We know, we know this by experience. We know what Abraham went through until Abraham took his family. And he walked out of Egypt humiliated, and he went back to the place, verse 4, to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abraham called upon the name of God. Can you see where he found himself now? Back to where he was, back to where he was supposed to be. That's where, at that point, the Lord said to him, Look at this land, I will give it to your offspring. Don't think that you will make a living in Egypt. Not even for a while. This is your land. But this is the place where you will have to wait upon me and trust me. And we will continue in the life of Abram. And maybe, maybe, we will find our footsteps fitting neatly in the tracks of the father of our faith. There's just one difference when everything that Abraham believed in fell apart. The one whom he represented Jesus Christ. He knew. To wait upon God. Right in the beginning of his ministry. He was sent into where? Can you remember? When he was baptized. The Holy Spirit sent him to. The. Get it out. Get it out. Desert. What happened in the desert with our Lord? He was tempted there. Not by anyone else, but the tempter, the devil. But Jesus knew to trust God. And he overcame the devil. And he trusted God. And he knew what it meant to to live from every word that comes from the mouth of his father. And that night when everyone deserted him and when he was on his knees before the Father in the garden, he still prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And when he died on the cross, he could cry it out, why have you forsaken me? He never Doubted the promise of his father. He never faltered like Abraham, not like David, like me, or like you. He was the perfect one. We never allowed common sense to override obedience. When he was nailed to the cross and those around the cross. Scorned him and said, if you save yourself and come off that cross, we believe, we will believe you. Common sense. It would have been a powerful a uh, thing for the Lord to do, to just take his arms and rip the, the, the nails out of it and come off the cross and, and, and tell the people, okay, you've asked me to do so. I've done that now. You better believe in me. I would think that maybe a lot of people might have fallen on their knees when, when he, if he did that. But the point of the matter is this. If he didn't do that, the price for our sin would never have been paid. Common sense? No. Faith? Yes. Obedience? Yes. Waiting upon God? Yes. Our Lord did that. Let us follow him in obedience. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you that when we feel so disappointed with ourselves and when we know that Although we know all things right and we know that we should trust you. We do as Abram did. We try to take things in our own hand. Take us back to yourself, Lord. Bring us back to the place of worship. Forgive us our unfaithfulness. Forgive us our Stubbornness. And teach us to trust you. Thank you for Jesus. Our perfect mediator. Amen.